With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Lisa Stone, and you're listening to Parenting Aces. Welcome to season nine of the Parenting Aces podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Stone, and this is our last episode of season nine, our last episode of 2020, which cannot end fast enough as far as I'm concerned. I'm sure a lot of you feel the same way, but I thought it was only fitting to end our season with Coach Todd Whittem and his partner in crime, Coach Pierre Arnold. Those of you who've been following the podcast for a while, while you've seen Todd on here or heard Todd on here many, many times, but rarely do we get the opportunity to hear from Pierre as well. And Pierre was Todd's coach when Todd was coming up through juniors and um, developing as a player. Pierre is from Argentina, as Todd has told us many times. Oh, and y'all are seeing my little robo back in the vacuum in the background. And my dog, Sully, is somewhere around here, so you may see him, too. I'm so sorry about that. But uh, anyway, Pierre is from Argentina, has trained many, many, many players all the way through from beginner to the pro tour and has so much experience coaching and developing players. And so it was Todd's idea to bring Pierre on for this last episode of the season. So without further ado, and I'm not even going to do any of my normal plugs now, y'all have uh, several weeks to catch up on any episodes you may have missed. But for now, let me bring on Todd and Pierre and let me unmute y'all. Hello, gentlemen. Hello, how you doing? I'm great. It's so nice to see your smiling faces. Good to see you too, Lisa. So, Pierre, I'm just going to jump right in with you. And Todd, we've heard from you. Everybody knows your thoughts on junior development, and you have been so forthcoming and so such a straight shooter with all of us, and we appreciate that so much. But what a cool opportunity to get to talk to you, Pierre, about um, you can tell stories on Todd. We'd all love to hear those. But also, like, what is your philosophy of coaching? Why have you had such incredible success developing tennis players all these years? Well, first of all, you have to have a passion for, for it. Yes. You have a passion Todd, we're cutting in and out a little bit. Um, I'm not sure if that's on your end or my end. You hear us? I hear you. Can you okay. hear me? Yeah. Yeah, can you hear? So yeah. basically I was saying that it's about, I have passion to teach. I enjoy teaching. Uh, I want to make sure that wherever I teach, you know, is going to get the best out of me. You know, the best instruction that I can give. So, uh, you know, carry a lot of emotion into my teaching and uh, I enjoy it. 
So what is your philosophy of what junior tennis development should be? Well, junior tennis development, I mean, it, it starts at a young age. I mean, you got to start, you know, obviously, you know, the first steps are around, you know, five, six years old. Uh, but I think as, as, you know, the foundation, whoever's going to coach that kid at that moment really has to, you know, introduce a very good foundation, you know, technically, you know, and, and teach him how to have eye hand coordination and, and movement and, uh, you know, but basic, you know, all, the, all those basics, you know, it's going to be a very good, solid foundation. Then, you know, as he progresses, you know, he's going to develop better and better. So you grew up in Argentina. We know that in Argentina, soccer is extremely popular. Just kids kicking around the ball on the street, you know, pick up games. Almost every kid plays soccer at some point in their childhood um, in countries like Argentina. America, we tend to put our kids in one sport and expect them to specialize very early on. How important is it, in your opinion, for kids to be exposed to different sports, different types of physical activity in their younger years to help them then develop into their sport of choice as they get older? Well, I think it's very important. I think that between the ages of uh, five to, you know, eight, you put your child in different sports, soccer, basketball, swimming. Because all uh, you know, that, yeah, that sport. Todd, we're cutting out again. So, so you know, that's you just have to have good, good mobility and eye coordination, and uh, you know, you got to try different sports between the ages of five and eight, and then you can decide. Well, I'm going to be a soccer player or a swimmer or whatever. But mm -hmm. that's very important. And so when you get a child, let's say they're just starting in tennis, in your opinion, where do you start? What is What are the first things that a kid needs to learn? Well, if I've got a kid at all, I'm going to obviously size size racket at age, and then, you know, buy ball at age, and, uh, you know, tell them, you know, how to grip the racket. And then uh, just to turn sideways, take the racket way back, and watch the racket hit the ball, and then put the racket right, you know, to where they're you know, in front of them. Very simple. Straight back, watch it straight forward. Mm -hmm. So no shape at that stage, just making contact with the yeah. ball. Just, yes, exactly. Just making contact with the ball. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And so once they get that down, that that very beginner, you know, skill of turn sideways, take your racket back, make contact, follow through. At what point do you say, okay, this child is ready for the next step? And then what is that next step? Well, I, I evaluate that next step when I see, you know, obviously the technique is has to be very good. And then the amount of repetition that they can do. Because this game, this is a game of retention, and of of uh, of you know repetition. You got to retain what you learned, and mm -hmm. what I've seen is that, you know, uh, again, if the foundation at a young age, from the ages of five to eight, is not a good one, 
then it's gonna you're gonna have problems long you know long longer on in long and your you know and your development is gonna have problems. So the first three years is very important, and I think that uh, it's just a matter of you know seeing how the kid concentrates and how well he can retain what he learned on a daily basis, and then right. you know hitting a million balls the same way on the same spot. So that next step, let's assume that they're they're making progress with making contact and with the ball in the right position and all of that. Then what? Well, then you know you have to work on footwork. You got to teach them how to move. You know because it's a game of movement. So you got to you know teach them how to you know be able to have that distance to the ball and how to get in position to hit the right way. So you know you have to work a lot on the feet. Are you a follower of the red, orange, green ball progression to yellow ball tennis? I go back to rally ball. That's where it all started in rally ball. Yeah. I did a a workshop. We had 30 coaches from around, you know, Miami and and, and Broward County. Uh, We did a Pembroke Lakes racket club. And uh, we did a workshop on how to introduce rally ball to the tennis community. And from rally ball, then you have the the pathway, USDA pathway. And do you feel like that's the right progression for most children? I think I think it is. I think it is. You know, from the ages of six to eight, I think it is. But uh, once you know, once that the kid has that uh, eye, a good eye-hand coordination, he can you know move well, and you know he's got a good idea of all that. Then you know he should be playing with the regular ball. I grew up with a regular ball. Yeah, I grew me up too. With a, with a, <laughs> We're old school, Pierre. <laughs> it, you know, a, a big, you know, big ball, and uh, played on clay. And uh, you know, I started, I started playing when I was six. You know, but I, I didn't get started really, you know, taking it seriously until like I was eight or nine. Mm-hmm. And then by eleven, I was number one in Argentina. So it was, you know, it was a lot of balls, and you had to, you know, constantly moving and. Uh, you know, making adapt, you know, adapting your game on, especially on red clay, right? Right, right. So, what's the parent's role at that stage of development, where a child is just being introduced to the game, just starting to learn some technique and some movement? Where do you, where does the parent fit into all that? To me, to me, the parents should be, uh, first of all, they should, you know, be very positive about what their child is doing in any sport. And enjoy it and enjoy the moment because that moment goes very like that. Yeah. And, and let, let, you know, the coaches do their job. And I always say, it's like, if I had to go, you know, to a doctor, I'm not going to tell the doctor how to operate me. Right. Or, you know, if, if you're bringing your child to me and you trusting me that, you know, I'm going to make sure that I'm going to develop your child in the right way. You know, I mean, so that, 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 you know, at any age, you know, at six, at 10, 12, 14, 16, you should go, the parents, you just enjoy the moment of your child that he's having a great experience in that sport and yeah. let the coach do their job. Right. Right. Todd, are you sitting there? I want you to chime in on some of this. I'm right here. <laughs> I'm watching Pierre, you know, enjoy himself with you. And I was laughing because he grew up with wooden rackets, and I did not. <laughs> so, well, I did too. So I, 
with a wooden racket, and you better have some good eye-hand coordination to be able to hit the right? ball. But, uh, yeah, it's not so big. I'm, I'm right here. I'm wide <laughs> okay. right here. You don't have to worry. Okay, good. Pierre, tell us about coaching Todd. What age was Todd when you first started working with him? Well, he came to Wallaby in Sunrise when he was, I think, 10 years old. He's old. I forgot. 1989, six years old. He was my second tennis coach. He was my first serious tennis coach. Okay. With a recreational coach. Now, I forget. I forget. You know, he's, he's, he's no spring chicken right, anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so now start asking yeah, him what it was yeah. like and how That's much a long time ago, Todd. How much pain it was for him to train me for 20 <laughs> years. <laughs> well, that's kind of where I'm going. So you started working with Todd when he was six. Right. What kind of foundation did he already have when he got to you or did you have to start from ground zero with him no he had a good foundation when when he got to us i mean uh sean Fred did a great job with him i mean uh he really you know todd had a very good foundation a good eye-hand coordination uh he he knew exactly where to position himself in the court uh you know he could anticipate the shots and uh and, and one of the things he did, he, he studied the game. He studied all the other players that we were training at the time. I mean, so, you know, I mean, Jay Berger and, you know, Ivan, you know, those guys. I mean, so, uh, you know, he was looking at those guys and, and saying, you know, I, I can do this. So, yeah. What did you see in Todd that made you realize that he had the potential to play at a high level as a junior in as a college player and even as a professional player? The, the, the tiger, the fight, the, 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 the hate, I, I hate to lose. <laughs> I want to beat you so bad. We hear that a lot, that, that in order to be successful in this sport, you have to hate losing more than you love winning. Exa yes. Yeah. And yeah. you saw that in him at a young age. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so what was he like as a young player? Um, I'm assuming he was pretty feisty on the court. Yes. Yes. No, he, he found a way to beat you. You know, if, if things didn't work, you know, go his way. I mean, he was going to find a way to beat you. He's mm -hmm. going to a, a, a soft spot on, you know, in your game. So, you know, and, uh, and he followed, you know, the strategies that we had, he followed them really well. And, uh, uh, you know, never, never gave up, never, you know, you know, just tanked the match or, you know, I mean, you know, he got mad. Yeah. You know, normal, but, uh, you know, he was the type of kid that he got mad and the next point he was ready to play. He was ready to be. So is, is that a trait that you feel like can be coached or is that, that hate of losing and that, you know, that problem solving in the moment, is that something that somebody is just born with or can you develop that as a coach? I think it's both. I think it's, it's you know, I mean, the, the, the emotion that he has in, you know, of, of, you know, that feeling, I don't want to lose. I'm going to try to beat you really bad. That's in DNA, but it has to be managed. It has to be channeled. It has to be coached, you know, like, uh, okay, you got mad, but don't let it, you know, that anger, it should not cost you two or three points. Mm. It costs you maybe, you know, you, you got angry, okay, that's it. The next point, you better be ready to play. And that's what he had. You know, he didn't stay angry and lost then suddenly a whole game, mm. you know, for no reason. So. 
And so how do you manage that in a young player? Because I, I think that's really challenging. I had a kid who was very feisty on the court and, you know, I had a hard time managing that. Well, the, the way the way I, I did it with Todd was, you know, obviously through all the drills. I mean, I, I put a lot of pressure on, you know, on every drill, every drill that we did because it was like, you know, we're playing a point here and, and you got to value the, that shot. And so, you know, uh, yeah, I mean, I many times he thought that, that, you know, he was playing great and I said, no, you got to play better than, than that. So yeah, you know, it was uh, it was a challenge, but it was good. And so staying with him for 20 years, that's really not the norm in junior tennis development, at least not in this country, right? Most most kids go through a whole battery of coaches right. during their junior career. What do you think set your relationship with Todd apart? What made y'all stick with each other? Well, I, I think it's the belief, you know, I believed in him and he believed in me. And, um, you know, it, it was, um, it, that's, that's what it comes down to. I mean, it's just that trust. Mm -hmm. you know, uh, then no matter what, you know, we were going to, you know, uh, motivate each other and, and uh, you know, respect each other and do the job that we're supposed to do and, and take it to the next level every time. Did you have that with other players as well? Yeah, I did with uh, Daniel Yu. I coached mm -hmm. him for 10 years. And then there was another player, Jeffrey Zaka, that I coached him for 10 years. And Jeffrey ended up going to University of Pennsylvania. Then, you know, Todd, you know, was involved with that too. So, yeah, I mean, I've had, you know, uh, I had a, uh, Gina Suarez, that is the assistant coach at University of Virginia. I was with her for five years, you know. So, yeah, Mo most of the success you know, that I've had with the players, I've had long relationships. You know, I've never had for less than six months. How important is that, do you feel, to a player's ability to reach their potential in this sport, to have a long-term relationship with a coach like that? Well, I think it's very important because, I mean, uh, you know, you, you, you really get to know each other's character. And, and, you know, how you think, how you feel, you know, and um, I mean, even today, I mean, you know, I don't say, Todd looks at my face and he knows already what I'm thinking. Yeah. So, you know, it's, um, it's, a, it's a great, uh, a great feeling, you know. Well, to take things from a coach-player relationship to business partners is very different, right? I mean, that's... That's a leap, and uh, it's proving to be very successful for the two of you. Yeah, no, it's great. I'm having a great time. <laughs> you know, because I work for him, basically, you know, I mean, I, and I love it. I think it's great, you know. I just, I'm in a, in a point in my career that I just enjoy the teaching, and, uh, you know, and I go, you know, what kids I'm going to have today, and he tells me, and okay, and I do my thing, and that's great, you know, and... You know, for him, it's great, too, because, you know, he knows that, uh, you know, we're going to develop the player. Right. If you look back over your coaching career, are there certain things that you did over the years that you think, gosh, you know, I really messed up with that one. I wish I could go back and redo that. And if so, what are some of those things? 
No, I never had a player that uh, I felt that I messed up. I mean, every player that I've trained in my career has gone to co to college with a you know half a scholarship or better, and uh, and really in my 37 years of teaching, I never had you know a kid that I go wow, it was my mistake, I messed up. Mm -hmm. Did you ever have a situation where you had a player that you saw great potential in who just didn't have the drive to reach that potential? Yes. <laughs> Can I say the name? No. No. Okay. <laughs> no. Yeah, no. And I mean, what do you do in that situation? Is that a situation where maybe the parents get involved? Do you look at using a sports psychologist? I'm not going to give you the name of the player, but no, no, yeah. Situation that. You know, you work so hard, and you see the potential, and and you you had great results, and um, you know, and and you go, wow, uh, you've been ex you exposed him to the pro tour, and he's done well, and uh, he's played with many many you know top professionals, and he's done very well, and uh, and suddenly now you know, the, I don't see that his passion has disappeared, his 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 feeling of. Of I want to be better, I want to be really good, is kind of, you know, fizzling out, is disappearing. And that's what's disappointing. When mm -hmm. I see somebody that has a gift and he can be very good at it and not taking it all the way up to the highest, they, you know, level they can reach. So what's your role in that situation? Well, I mean, you know, you, you, you talk to the parents and you discuss it and you, you discuss it as a group with the parents and the player and, you know, and, and you say, okay, this is what we see. This is your potential. This is what you should, you know, the way you should go about it. And, uh, but uh, when it doesn't come from the player, you know, when that player doesn't have 100% passion, then it's not going to happen. It doesn't right. matter. If you try, it's not going to happen. And I think that's an important thing for our listeners to hear, right? That it really does have to come from the player. It doesn't matter how great the coach is. It doesn't matter how much the parents push. If the player doesn't want it, it's next to impossible for them to reach the highest level. I agree totally. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. It, it, at one point, the player has to make that decision. I want to be, you know, really you know, I want to be a pro and I want to be top 10 in the world or I don't have it. I don't, mm -hmm. my lifestyle. Right. Nope. And it is a choice. It's, and it's a tough choice. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's not an easy path. I'll give you an example. I mean, my, uh, one of my brothers, Patricio, that uh, is, uh, uh, lives in Brazil and has a tennis academy and uh, is the associate director for the junior development for Brazil. Uh, he went to Georgia, played, um, you know, number two for Georgia under Dan McGill and uh, Manny Diaz. Wow. Uh, Al Parker was playing number one. And uh, he got to the finals of NCAAs. He went on the tour right after that for eight months. And after eight months, he got to, you know, almost like 150 in the world. And he decided, he calls me, he called me, he said, I, I'm done, I quit. And I said, why? He said, I don't like this lifestyle. I don't enjoy it. It's, it's, you know, I don't like the, the, the traveling. I don't like the, you know, it's just too much. Mm -hmm. My life. 
I say, well, then you're good. But he went into coaching and he's having a successful career as a coach. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. And he's giving his gifts to up and coming players, right? Yeah. 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 Which is pretty cool. So, you know, I mean, it's not for everybody. And, uh, and like I said before, I mean, the parents should enjoy every moment of what, you know, how their child is developing and not stress out about, you know, anything. Yeah. Because it's a period of time. Easier said than done. <laughs> Believe me, I know. I've, 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 you know, after thirty, you know, thirty-seven years of you know coaching, yeah, I've seen it all. Right. Oh, so, you know. So when you were coaching Todd, let's go back to that. And Todd's talked a lot about the fact that he came up. Jay Berger was training with you guys, and you know he was watching Jay achieve all of these great things in his junior career, and. Um, how important is it, do you think, for young players to have role models within their training environment? Oh, I think it's great. If you can have it, it'd be great. It's great because those younger kids are, are just seeing, you know, how the, the older kids, you know, are training and, and what they're trying to achieve. Yeah, that's a great, a great atmosphere. Mm -hmm. And I know one of the things you and Todd try to do at your not an academy, your program is you try to bring kids together that you feel fit into a culture that you, the two of you have developed, right? For training yeah. and that they have a mindset about what they want to do, how hard they want to work, what goals they want to achieve. But, you know, one of the things we hear quite often is parents saying, well, my kid's the best one at their academy, and so there's not really anybody for them to train with. Or my kid, you know, every time the coach puts them on a court with kids that are way less good than they are, and so it's just a waste of time for them to be there. How? What do you say to that? That, well, to me, is where you're going to manage your 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 training. You know, I mean, uh, we have a hitting partner. Uh, you know, we bring in, you know, other, you know, other players that uh, we invite, you know, to play matches or to, you know, to be sparring, you know, train. And, uh, you know, but it's, it's the main thing is also that the kids have to be humble and they got to learn that. That's tough in tennis, right? Right. You know, you got to climb the ladder and you got to be humble because at one point, I mean, they were in that situation that, you know, they were not that good. So they mm -hmm. were in somebody else who was better. So in other words, you got to, you know, you know, play it back a bit and say, you know what? OK, you know, if I'm a coach, I'm not going to put, you know, that weaker player with, you know, with a better player every single day. But that wouldn't be fair. But I would say, you know what? Uh once a week or once every two weeks, you know, you guys hit a bit. Let's see. Mm -hmm. Give yourself, you know, be humble and, and give it back a little bit, you know. I mean, because this sport is very selfish. And uh, yeah. people are very selfish about it. And, I, and what we try to do is that, to give an example, like today, we have, we have a girl, um, you know, that is top 10 in the state in, in the 14th, right? And, uh, and we have, an, you know, she's... 14, and we have a girl that just turned 12 from Louisville. And uh, I said, you know what? Let's see. Let's give it a shot. 
And actually, you know, it was a very good training. They both enjoyed it. They both did very well. And uh, it was good. I mean, the philosophy seems to be that whenever you have an opportunity to be on the tennis court hitting tennis balls, there's something to learn, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I can I can have a, you know, a, a good player, you know, like this girl say, okay, you, you're going to get the net and volleying and you're going to get the most out of it, you know, with the volleys. You know, and the other girl, yeah, you got to hit the ball right back to it and you got to hit more than two balls in a row. You mm-hmm. know, don't then you know what mentally you're not ready for this so you know i'll bend you (laughs) i mean i i you know you know i mean i expect certain standards yes you know you haven't that that uh the weaker player has an opportunity to play with a better player good take advantage of it if you don't take advantage of that moment i'm not going to give you that opportunity again you know this is like examination you 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 made you got the, the you know made the a or you failed yeah yeah it's that, pass fail there's nothing in between uh, huh then i'm gonna grab the basket and i'm gonna ba- go back to drills and put all my drills you know and and, and just drill you till you you know hit the ball the way you're supposed to and yeah. then that i might give you a second chance and see if you can handle you know the drill with a better player right how important is playing tournaments to young juniors as they're developing? It's important, but it has to be scheduled. It has to be managed properly. You can't have a kid play, you know, three tournaments or four tournaments in a row. I mean, I, you know, when I, when all the kids that I trained, I said, you only play one tournament, maybe two at the most in a month, mm-hmm. you know, and, uh, and that's it. You know, because because it's, it's you know you need to develop you need to work and so if you're playing tournaments every single weekend you know you're putting a lot of stress in the winning and losing and so you know you're not really able you don't have enough time to develop to hit you know uh, I mean if a kid can hit you know seven shots in a row in a certain spot you know okay you know we have a good week. Right, we're training really well. Okay, let's play a tournament. But that means that after that tournament, you got to train again. You know, you know, you, you can, you know, you don't play every single week, and you just can't. It's just too much stress. They don't develop. That you cannot fix things. I mean, it's just you're thinking about the winning and losing and the points and the UTR, and you know, it's just not the way to go. It's interesting, and I don't know if this is different in Argentina when you were coming up, but in this country, there's a huge stress on playing tournaments, right? And and getting those ranking points or making sure your UTR is going in the right direction. And we have lots and lots and lots of tournament opportunities when we're not in a pandemic. Um, lots and lots of tournament opportunities every week, it seems, uh, depending on where you live in the country, of course. But um, was it like that for you growing up? Because when I was coming up, it wasn't like that. Oh, when I when I grew up in Argentina, I played one tournament a month, and the rest of the time I trained. I mean, and, and what did you take from the tournament experience back to your training? Well, I you know I did a chart and I said, okay, this is what I did right, this is what I did wrong, and you know I went back to you know, I mean, my father used to watch me play and so my father said okay this is what you did right this is what you did wrong 
go back to the coach and, you know, we talked to the coach and we fixed it. Mm -hmm. So So you, you use the tournaments as a way to sort of shine a light on what you were doing well and what still needed work. And then you would take that information back to your coach who could then help you work through all of that on the practice court. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Which is a very sane approach to junior development, in my opinion. Yeah. (laughs) No, it's just that I think that sometimes they complicate things too much. You know, I mean, the, you know, uh, you know, parents get involved and, 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 you know, yeah, they they give an opinion. It's good. It's all good, but it's too stressful. And I think that the child needs to, you know, develop in a much more even keel form and, uh, and not feel so much stress in, in, in the winning and losing, you know, develop your game. I mean, Okay, a perfect example. Serena Williams didn't play junior tournaments. Right. Venus didn't either. So why don't we take that example and say, you know what, let's develop this player. You know, let's develop it. You know, the, the, the child, I mean, everything, emotionally, physically, you know, they got to develop. And until, you know, okay, now you're ready to compete. Okay. I mean, I tell these kids, playing in the 12s and 14s doesn't mean anything. Nobody is going to remember who won and who lost. Do you remember who won the Orange Bowl at, at the 12 years old, you know, five years ago or two years ago? I don't. No. I mean, so exactly. So the, the, the thing is to develop these kids, you know, physically, nutrition, the whole thing. And by the time they're 14, 15, then, yes, you have a player that can serve and volley, that can hit a slice, that can hit a drop shot that can hit tossers, that can hit flat, that can move really well. Then, okay, now let's compete, you know. But the, the thing is that, you know, the parents get all stressed out because, oh, I got college and, you know. Well, yeah, but they're going to get to the college. Yeah. Give it, give it time. We don't have to worry about that when they're 12. No, exactly. Right. <laughs> if you don't have a good player by the time you're 15, the chances of going to college are less. Right. Because good well one of the things that you and Todd really have kind of found a niche for yourselves is taking those 15 16 year olds who are behind the curve and bringing them in and helping them catch up to their peers and helping them you know get to a level where college coaches are looking at them what do you do with a child who is either coming to the game late and, you know, we hear of that a lot or who just really has not had a level of coaching to get them to where they should be by age 15 or 16? I'll be very honest with you. I worked the hell out of them. Drill, drill, drill and drill. And, and you're going to learn how to move. You're going to know how to put, you know, the ball in a certain spot and you better hit, you know, at least minimum of six shots in a row every day on every single shot. And how do you kind of reconcile that with managing injury prevention, um, fitness, you know, making sure that their fitness level is up to par, that their nutrition's up to par to handle that level of training? Well, I mean, obviously, you know, the nutrition, you know, we talk to the parents, I go, okay, let me see what your nutrition is. 
Okay, so that it starts at home. Then the 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 fitness, you know, we teach them how to stretch, how to do their bands, how to jump rope, you know, you know, stretch before the whole thing is before and after you get on the court. And then the fitness. And you know, so we tell them, you know, if if you really, you know, had a tough day, get on the uh, you know, do the the cold uh, tub, right? The ice. ice. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's we, the whole gamut. It, it's the whole thing. I mean, we 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 you know cover the whole thing. So, but it's uh, when we have these when we have these kids that just arrive like in, like you just mentioned. I mean, uh, after the you know the assessment that we make, it's time to work. Mm-hmm. You know, and and some of them can take it, and some of them cannot. Some of them, you know, it's just too hard, too much for them. So, well, yeah. I my advice to those are like you know what well. If you decide to go to college, you're in a tough time, you know, getting accepted, you know, accepted by the, by a tennis coach. Mm-hmm. Because your work ethics are not that that strong, that that good. And I mean, I think this is one of the challenges, right? So we have players who say, "I want to do this, this, and this with my tennis," and then you, as the coach, will say to them, "Okay, that means we have to do this every day, this every day, this every day." And then sometimes the player's like, oh, I didn't realize I was going to have to do all that. Right. Maybe I don't want to do that. <laughs> you know, Maybe that's not my goal. Maybe that's, I want to change my mind here. Yeah, and that's, that's okay, right? Yeah, that's what I was saying. You know, exactly. Yeah. You know, our our training is not for everybody. And and that I like, I always, you know, you know, I like to make that clear because it's not for everybody. You know, and and so if you're here, it's because you want to, you, you know, you want to take it to the next level, and you're willing to sacrifice and work hard, and and you know, uh, just keep up, you know, the demands that we we ask, you know, that we want. I want to ask you, and Todd, maybe you can get in the shot too, because I really want to talk a little bit about how the two of you complement each other. And, you know, where you each feel like your strengths are and maybe your weaknesses where the other one picks up. Um, can you all talk about how you've kind of found your groove as co-coaches with these kids? Because I know a lot of the kids work with the two of you at different times, right? Yeah. I mean, we, you know, the kids, you know, we interact with the kids all the time and we we talk about you know, every day about every single kid, what we think that, you know, are they improving on this or, are, you know, are they not improving on, on certain areas? You know, we, we're always discussing and trying to find a way of, you know, what would be the best way to make that player a better player. So, you know, mm-hmm. we're always communicating. I think that, um, you know, the strength that, you know, you know, I'm I'm a very emotional type of guy on the court, and and I get into it, and you know, and I think that I also get into it in the matches. And remember when you, you know, when you played? I mean, like, you know, <laughs> I, I can write a book about that, right? But yeah, but uh, you know, it, it's uh, and and he's more, I think, a little more laid back sometimes than me, you know, and uh, and you know, sometimes he's had to like pull my you know strings back and tell me you know come down a little bit. You're going over the board. So, you know, which is okay. I don't mind. You know, I think that, that that's a good thing, you know. But uh, I, I think that's a good compliment in that I'm, 
I'm more, you know, fiery and he's more laid back. And but from an instructional standpoint, do each of you feel like you have strengths? Like, you know, I'm really good at teaching uh, topspin forehand and maybe he's really good at teaching the backhand slice or do you both, you don't drill down that deep. You both no. just kind of work no. with the kids on everything. No, because I think we have the same DNA in terms of how to hit a, you know, a volley or a backhand or, you know, so we, you know, we don't differ on, on, on that. Mm-hmm. It's more of a, a you know, like uh, just the emotional part of it. You know, like I'm, like I said, I'm more emotional on the court and, and uh, you know, maybe I'm getting older, I have less patience. So, you know, I expect the kids to, you know, once I teach them to do it well, you mm-hmm. know, be, you know, very good at repetition of a shot. So, you know, and that's why sometimes, you know, I get too emotional and he pulls me back and, you know, just give it time. She's going to get it. The player's going to get it. So, yeah. Todd, are there times where you'll take a kid aside and say, okay, you come on my court now. <laughs> You've had enough of the intensity for today or vice versa where you, you know, you'll be working and you'll see a kid maybe taking it a little too easy and you say, okay, time to get on Pierre's court and, you know, crack the whip. <clears throat> I've definitely given Pierre some of the kids that uh, I hadn't been enjoying that day. <laughs> I say, Pierre, they're yours, or else I'm not. I'm not happy right now. <laughs> so, so I'll give them to Pierre, and we'll make a switch. You know what? What you have to keep in mind is that we share the students together. This isn't an ego thing or anything. And I don't even have to watch Pierre. It's a beautiful thing. I know he's doing an unbelievable job, right? And many times I walk over to his court to see, you know, what what he's up to and and how he's training a particular player, even though. I've seen him train players for over 30 years. So I know exactly. I'll watch a kid hit two balls. I already know what he's going to say many times, right? Yeah. Training and everything. And obviously him bringing me up through all the levels of tennis and the thousands and thousands of hours that we've spent together. Um, but, you know, in terms of passion and everything, I hold it in a lot better than the old guy over there. <laughs> so I've, cal- I've calmed down a little bit. I've calmed him down, too. Yeah. <laughs> You know, but, you know, so, you know, I think we complement each other very, very well. Um, you know, and obviously, Pierre, what's so special about this man is that he's been doing it so long with the passion and everything. And I'm not seeing any burnout. He's coming every single day to work. I don't have to be on top of him to know if he's doing a phenomenal job with the players. That's the least of my concerns. Right. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's just a, a beautiful thing. And I have that with my other assistant, Daniel Yu, also that Pierre mentioned, who uh, who trained with Pierre from when he was about 14 or 15 years old all the way through his professional career. So I've really just kept this in my family because these are the guys that I love and the guys that I trust 100%. Right. Pierre, how can you compare working with Todd and working with Daniel? Because I don't know Daniel, but you know I've seen him in action on video and and things like that um he's a different personality than todd and i'm just curious how you know how that went when and how important is the player's personality 
to the way that you work with them? Well, when I started with Daniel, I mean, you know, he's from South Korea, so it's a different culture. And uh, I'll, I'll tell you a little story. Uh, he's lefty, left-hander, and I'm lefty too. So, Me too. Yeah, so yeah. So you know, I was, I was, you know, seeing him play, and he was playing more like a right-handed player. Like everything was going down the middle. There was no angles. There was no slice serves. There was, you know, just everything very conservative down the middle. And so, and this went on for like two months. And after two months, I just lost it. And I got, you know, frustrated. And I called his father and I said, I have a problem here. I'm, I'm trying to teach his son how to play as a left-hander and he's playing like a right-hander. And the father answered me, he says, well, he's scared of you. And I said, why? Well, because he thinks that, you know, you might, you know, hit him with a cane. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't know this. But actually, in, in South Korea, the coaches have the authority to cane the kids when they don't do, the, you know, what they want them to do. So wow. I said to the father, listen, I'm not going to do that. I cannot do that. Uh, you, know, it's, it's, you know, that's illegal. So, <laughs> you know, and from then on, you know, the relationship changed. You know, he he was not scared of me. And, and you know, we were started to, uh, you know, connect better. Uh, the, the only, you know, the only thing from Daniel is, that, compared to Todd, is that Daniel overtrained. Mm. He would train, I would train, you know, four hours. And then he would go and train another two on his own. Because he was obsessed. You know, he was he was like obsessed of, of you know perfectionism. Mm -hmm. So you know, and uh, which was good, but it's also bad because you know it uh, it when you overtrain, your body gets tired and your mind gets tired. You, you know, you might not know it, but but as, as you playing, you see it. So, but uh, you know, the relationship that I had with Daniel was great. I mean, uh, uh, you know, I love him to death. He's a great guy, and uh, we had a lot of success. And um, you know, understood exactly you know how to how to train and, and what what you know to expect from me and uh, you know the discipline and uh, and I think that the, the the discipline was really what um, you know connected me really well with him, just mm -hmm. the, of, of everything of, of shot you know production of of you know design plays of everything you know, and so you know it was a good great experience. I've asked Todd this before and I'll and I've asked other coaches too because it's a question that parents ask me and that is how do you know if a kid has what it takes to play high level college tennis or have a professional tennis career what do you notice or see that you know says to you okay this is a kid that has it it's worth my investment in this child. You know, I'm going to give them everything. I've, I mean, obviously you do that with everybody, but where there's a kid that really has that potential. To, to become a very good college player or to become a professional player? Either or both. Well, I mean, it, for college, I mean, you know, uh, what, what I see is that when, when I see a good you know, the kid has good eye-hand coordination in terms of anticipating the shots, the mobility that he has, you know, and, and that he hits the ball really in front of him really well, uh, you know, and he's got 
you know, balance and good mobility and, and has good feeling for the shot, that, you know, to me says a lot. It says, you know what, this kid has potential, you know, mm-hmm. to, go to go to a good college. Yeah. And what about a kid that's making that choice between do I go to college or do I go straight to the pro tour? Well, the, the, there's a lot of, I mean, you're talking about just the, the tennis part or you're talking yeah. about just the tennis? Well, oh, well, the tennis part, but also the rest of it, because the you, personality. You need to have, I mean, you know, first of all, the, the kid that wants to go on the tour today needs to, you know, have a killer instinct. He needs to have a, you know, a tiger, be like a tiger. He's got to, you know, be hungry all the time because mm-hmm. it's his job. And, and, you know, he's going to go out to work every day and he's going to, you know, earn a living every day. So he's going to want it really bad. He's going to have to have that passion that, you know, not many players have, you know, that they want to be on the tour. So uh, I think that, that that's one part. But it's also, you know, you know who's your, your team? Who's, who's around you? You know, your parents, your coach, your physical trainer, you know, uh, everybody. That's your team. And, and there's going to be... Uh, to take it to the, that level of, of professionalism, it, there's going to be a lot of a very good trust. If you don't have trust and and uh, and honesty and, and transparency, then it's not going to happen. You know. And what about tennis-wise? I mean, what what would you need to see in a player to say, "Oh yeah, this kid has a shot"? Well, the, first of all, the mentality, the strong mentality. It's not so much about. You know, if he has a good forehand or, or serve or backhand, it's the mentality that he has. The the, you know, can he handle pressure? Can he handle you know uh, defeats? Can he handle success? You know, so there's a lot of you know that that's what I'm looking at. The mentality, how you know strong is he? You know, under all those you know you know scenarios. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the best you know the the, the physical part and the and the technique and the forward, that is all workable. Right. He doesn't have, you know, uh, you know, uh, the tiger in in him and, and that, uh, and the passion and, and, and a strong mentality that I'm not going to lose, you know, that I'm a, I'm a winner. Then, then, you, you know, you have a player, you can make a player. Got it. Todd, what am I forgetting to ask Pierre? What do I need to ask him? You've done a good job as always. <laughs> Thank you. But I mean, we've got a few more minutes and I, you know, I really want to make sure that I'm shining the proper light on Pierre because you talk about him all the time with such love and such adoration and such respect. And I think this was really cool to get to give the parenting aces community a glimpse at Pierre and let them hear from him. But Pierre, are there any messages that that you have for the parents out there that, you know, and and let's face it, I with parenting aces, we've got families with kids that are just starting in the sport. We've got, you know, the whole gamut of junior development, college tennis, and and we've got families whose kids just want to play because they have fun with it and they want to hang out with their friends. And college tennis is like, eh, if that happens, fine. But if not, that's not a big deal. So kind of the whole gamut, you know? I mean, my, you know, my personal feeling is that the parents should enjoy every single moment that their child is playing tennis. 
regardless of the result, is the, you know, the process, the, the, the path that you're taking, enjoy it, have fun with it, don't get stressed out. It's a short moment in their lives. And, uh, you know, it's a great sport, you know, you can, if you, you know, and, and, and there shouldn't be any stress between the parent and the child. They, they, they just go out there and enjoy the moment. And, and I think if they can, if they do that, I think that, uh, you know, they're going to be fine. Everything is going to be great. So, I mean, I've seen a lot of parents, you know, stressed out about, oh, he's not winning and he's losing and the, this ranking and that ranking. And the, enjoy the moment from the day that if he's six years old, enjoy that moment. If he's 14, the same thing, you know, don't get stressed out. It's just a sport. That's all, yeah. you know. Why do you love tennis so much? Well, I, you know, my family is, you know, my father was a, a very good tennis player. And um, so, you know, I grew up, you know, in a tennis community, in a tennis family. And uh, I just uh, enjoy the game. I, I love, you know, how, you know, I've seen Rod Laver play. I've seen Pete Sampras play. I mean, I think that it's a, a sport with so many different styles and, and techniques and, uh, you know, I just enjoy the, the, the passion of, of competing and, uh, and I love teaching and, uh, you know, just I'm having fun. If you weren't coaching tennis now, what would you be doing? Oh, that's, you know what? I never thought about it. I mean, uh, you know, I never thought about if I would do something else. I, 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 that never came into my mind. And if, if you ask me now, I, you know, you know, if I didn't teach tennis, I would probably be very depressed. Oh, you know, <laughs> I, I just I, I, I like what I do, you know. And if you told me, would you do something else? No, I wouldn't. Yeah. I, I, nothing else comes comes into my mind that has that more passion that I want to do. You know, so yeah. for me, it's just uh, you know, I'm having a good time doing it and, and enjoy it, and you know, it's. You know, I, I hope I can do it. I don't know how many more years, but we'll see. You know, time will tell. Right. Todd, what about you? Why do you love tennis? I've never asked you this. Well, for me, it's, it's you know, it's some different stages in my life, right? I mean, I love to compete. I loved to train, but I, I really love to compete. Now, the training was tough. <laughs> it was yeah. really tough. This guy right yeah. here. He yeah. trained me yeah. tough. <laughs> but, you know, for me, I really love to go to tournaments. It was very exciting for me. I love to have my mother sitting there watching me play. I love to have Pierre there when he could come and watch me play. I love that support. Um, but now that my playing career ended, uh, it'll be 11 years after this Australian Open coming up. But now I really enjoy passing my knowledge onto the juniors. And so that's why I started, you know, what, what I do now, my, my small private schooling in South Florida, that's why I started it. And that's why I really don't have a tennis academy because the students that we train on a daily basis, I thoroughly enjoy spending my hours with them. And so I'm not sure if I had masses of kids that I would really enjoy spending my hours with all of those students. So these students that we have on a daily basis, 
those are the ones that we really love to, to be with because they respect us and they have discipline and they're open to us coaching them and we have nice communication with their parents. And so it's a really nice scenario for us to pass our knowledge on to them as well as their parents. That's mm -hmm. the joy, right? If, if, if I was pulling teeth all day with, with juniors, I don't know how enjoyable that would be. If kids weren't giving us full effort and really respecting us, I don't see that being very enjoyable for us. Mm -hmm. So in respect to Pierre, as well as Daniel, and then and myself, I've really tried to bring in students that really do complement what we're doing on a daily basis. And it's also what's most enjoyable for us, you know, for, for all these hours that we're actually spending with these select students. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you guys have created something really special down there. And, you know, the families that I talk to who have brought their kids to you have nothing but positive things to say. So you're doing something right down there in Florida. And I'll give you a little, uh, another note on, on, the, on the parents. When, because, Todd, you mentioned your mother, you know, went to see you play. And I used to, you know, watch you play, too. You know, first of all, her mother and I never sat together. I was in one side of the court and she was on the other. Two, My mother was a nervous wreck. Yeah. <laughs> I know that feeling. But during the match. But after the match, you know, she never went over to Todd and got stressed out with him and said, hey, you play so bad or this, you know, negatives. No. Okay, let's go home. That was it. We're done. You know, if... And so... That gave me the chance to, you know, talk to Todd and discuss, hey, this is what happened. This is what you did right, what we did wrong. But she never, you know, went to him and, and really, you know, gave him the checklist, you know, at the tournament or even on the drive home or even at home. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm trying to tell the parents. The tennis, leave it to the coach. When you come home, Talk about something else. Don't talk about tennis. Talk about life, school, whatever. But, you know, because the kid is already stressed out as, as it is, of being on the court for two hours training, and if the parent, you know, keeps talking about it, it becomes too negative. Mm -hmm. It's the same thing when the kid finishes a, a, a match in a tournament. If he loses, you know, the parents should just give him space. You know, no problem. It's okay, you know. But uh, don't, don't, you know, give him the whole checklist of what you did wrong in that match. Mm -hmm. Let the job be the coach. That, the coach should do that job, not the parents. Mm -hmm. The parents should just enjoy their son, being their son, and being proud that he made the best effort. And, you know, he won or he lost, but it was a great effort. That's it. I love that. That's great advice, Pierre. This is why you're the man. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> this man has a lot of experience. <laughs> yeah. Well, gentlemen, thank you all so much for chatting with us. And I want to just let our viewers know that if they want to reach out to you guys, um, it's TWTennis.com, right, Todd? Yeah, the email is Todd at, at TWTennis.com. My website is TWTennis.com. Right. And those two things will be in the show notes. And Todd is always posting videos on Instagram and on Facebook. So if you're not following him, you need to be. And Pierre, I don't know when I'm going to see you again at a tournament with this crazy pandemic, but hopefully soon. 
Yes, I'd love to see you again. Yes. Y'all need to come out to Southern California now. Oh, well, go for uh, the Easter Bowl. There you go. Okay. For all the parents out there, this is my traveling coach. <laughs> uh, yeah. The young guy home yeah. and, and Pierre gets to travel. Because oh, yeah. the young guy's got young kids at home that he's got to take care of. That is correct. That is <laughs> well, I appreciate y'all. What a great way to finish season nine of the podcast. I, it's been a pleasure chatting with you and uh, all the best to both of you. Thank you. Thanks so much, Lisa. Thank a, you. Great show. Thank you. Thank you. And to my listeners, thank you all for tuning in. This is it for season nine. We will be back in January with season 10 of the Parenting Aces podcast. Have a great holiday season, everybody. And we'll see you in a few weeks. I'm Lisa Stone, and you've been listening to the Parenting Aces podcast. For tennis parents, buy a tennis parent. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to us and write a review on iTunes. For more information on navigating the junior and college tennis journey, please visit us online at ParentingAces.com. Thanks for tuning in and sharing us with your tennis community.